Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. All right, let's just start with that video that we saw with the professor and the student. I think it's funny. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. So the premise is there was a video and it said it in text. It didn't like, you know, visually brief you on this besides just like saying it but that a student had challenged his teacher, his college professor, it seemed, to wrestling, a wrestling match. And the teacher, the professor, obliged. And they wrestled right in front of the classroom, kind of like theater, stadium seating. Everyone's at their laptops, and it's recorded, and they're going at it. And apparently, like, the student that's recording it was like, this kid saw that the teacher had cauliflower ear and challenged him to a wrestling match and didn't know what he was getting himself into. And the teacher was definitely like, you know, wearing jeans, a button down shirt or something. Suspenders too, I think. Yeah. And they were going at it. And the teacher, I think, got the better of them. But they were both skilled. Yes, the teacher got the better of them. One per to me, they were both going really hard. And it looked pretty fair and good. Like the young kid obviously had more speed and like aggression. And then the older guy had like a little bit more technique and was pacing himself. That commented on the video said uh, they felt like the professor wasn't trying that hard. And maybe that was the case. Maybe he was like enjoying the experience. I loved it. But I was just wondering what would have happened if somebody got hurt? Like with the I feel like nothing would have happened because I want to believe the kid wrestler is just not a bitch because he's Dude, a yeah if you're wrestling you're fine and you're not you're not doing anything you're not reporting it you're not yeah for sure yeah like there's like an honor mm-hmm. between that and it's not like oh i'm gonna sue you now because my knee hurts like but based on the virality of the video do you think the professor keeps his job like i wonder well, if, what the fallout is from this if he's an older professor and maybe he has tenure no i think okay. if he's a younger professor and he doesn't really have a lot of experience, I think they're going to kind of yell at him. But it's also like it went viral. And that student is going to love that professor forever. And all those other students are going to love that professor. And you can't just do 100% of your class like, oh, we're just going to read the books and we're going to like you need to have like other things that you could bring to the table in a class to highlight your learning ability. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just a great professor for doing that and engaging with the kid. Cause you could get embarrassed like a young fucking 18, 20 year old wrestler, like, you know, and he's like, no, we're going for it. Like, I absolutely love it. I think it is great. I think we should embrace things more like that. I just think with the cancer culture of today that that guy might be in trouble now. I give extra credit to my students when they come to the jujitsu gym. Mm -hmm. And I think only like two of them have taken me up on that offer, Mm -hmm. but I know each time they have, they were like, I feel like they respected me a little bit more, but they're like, yeah. Yeah, I should have fucked you up. <laughs> like, and they like, but they didn't. And so yeah. it's like exciting. And it was like, all right, so you're not just smart, but you're also tough. And I feel like, yeah, sometimes as a professor, you're just kind of up there. Or just like, in general, like, like there's more to them than they thought. They just thought they were just a book standing up in front of them. Do you yeah, know what I mean? You gotta be well-developed. Yeah, like, then you realize like, oh, these are people and they do other things and they try hard and they should get your respect. Yeah. And this is why I want cauliflower here too, because I feel like it just adds to like the diet. Like that's like having a belt. 
you know, mm-hmm. like I think it's like having the cauliflower. Oh, that, that's funny. That is an interesting way of looking at it. It is like wearing your belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are like, oh shit, he's got something about, like, and now like that's kind of spreading. Mm-hmm. Where like sometimes you'll see street fights and stuff, and sometimes you'll see like people be like, "Yo, don't fuck with that guy. He's got like his ears are fucked." And they could get they get that now from the UFC, where like that's a sign where like, "All right, you're tough. You're like mm-hmm. pretty tough. Mm-hmm. It's not to mess with you." And yeah, I just thought that was a great educational experience, and I was like, "That professor is obviously cool." And yeah, I feel like those students definitely love him. Who knows? There could be more to the story than that too. Like, someone's like, "Oh, that guy's definitely gonna lose his job." But I'm like, well, what if the kid was like his nephew in his class or something like you just don't know, like who they really are. Like, you never know. It also depends, I think, on the department. Like, sure. What school? It, yeah. What if if it's like a very I want to believe if it's like a business department, maybe they would be like, all right, we can't do stuff like that because they think more in terms of law and like getting right. in trouble and rules per se where maybe if it was like liberal well, arts they would definitely if, get in trouble but maybe they wouldn't want to fire each other because they're like a little bit more tight-knit or like mm-hmm. oh, we're friends with you and you can't do that again but i mean it's also that possible that the, the student just walked up to the front i was like yo i want to wrestle you right now and just starts grabbing him and then maybe that was like his just response that's hardcore though then that kid would get in trouble though no sure <laughs> so the kid just... would get in trouble but i'm just saying like like, we don't know the full context of what happened. We just see them wrestling in front of the classroom. Like, yeah, from the, real, from the real, it seemed innocent. And it fun. did. But they were going hard. But it was yeah. out of, like, it was like a fun sparring session. Mm-hmm. But they were just dressed in school clothes right in mm-hmm. the middle of the lecture hall. It was so good. Yeah. And if you don't know, the teacher actually hits a fireman's to put him down onto his back. Doesn't get a full pin, but definitely got the better of him there yeah 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 i loved it i shared it immediately i was like this guy's my hero that's exactly the type of professor i want to be right on all right so some other things happened this weekend too i don't know what you want to get into first do you have a preference Uh, no you lead the way brother all right so what'd you think about what'd you think about ufc last week like the conspiracies and stuff i know we touched upon it but did you agree with brendan schaub's take on it and or was Dana Wright, Dana White right in like slamming Brendan Schaub? Like, how do you feel about this? If I ever agree with Brendan Schaub, there's an issue because I think Brendan Schaub is a moron. And so Brendan Schaub is milking this. And I even feel like I almost don't want to talk about it because we're giving Brendan. Oh, giving him too much attention. Okay. Yeah, All yeah. Right. But let me explain what happened because it, it comes off weird. Okay. So Brendan Schaub is making it seem like Dana White like threw down the gauntlet with him and like Brendan's like wearing this shield like I'm going against Dana. Mm-hmm. What happened was people at a press conference asked Dana and they mentioned Pat Militich, a former UFC champion who's older, who also believes in conspiracy type theories, not just UFC related, but is like mm-hmm. whatever, outspoken. And he was like, oh, I think, did you hear that Pat Militich said that there's like a conspiracy that this was all set up. And Dana White goes on like a minute and a half rant that was like, Pat Militich is saying this? Like, what is wrong with him? Like, what kind of dumbass would Mm -hmm. believe that we would hold a huge conspiracy? We work with athletic commissions. There's like millions and billions of dollars on all of this. There's rules. We can't just 
fake things. And he's like, honestly, I'm surprised Pat Militich would feel this way. Like, yeah, he even went to he, say like, oh, we should get him in the Institute and check his head because that's crazy to say that. Exactly. He was yeah. like, yo, there needs to be like brain surgery. Like mm-hmm. something is wrong with this guy's brain. And then a reporter interjects and goes, actually, it wasn't Pat Militich that said that. It was Brendan Schaub. And all Dana White says is, oh, that makes sense. And then smirks. And then the whole all the reporters start laughing mm-hmm. because all the reporters also think Brendan Schaub is a joke. And that's all he said. That makes sense. So technically, he didn't even mention Brendan Schaub's name at all. Well, and then, yeah, based on the context, though, because he called Pat Militech a dummy. And so when they said it was Brendan Schaub, he's like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, so he, yeah. <laughs> which is funnier than anything that Brendan Schaub has ever said. Right. And so that, like, that is also like, oh, like, I get it now. That makes complete sense to me. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Yeah, and he smirked. Every reporter laughed and immediately got it. And it wasn't yeah. like, oh. And instead of self-reflecting, Brendan Schaub is just like, oh, I could milk this. And he came up with a post to shit on Dana White. A couple, actually. Yeah, because it was the most likes he's ever gotten. And so, like, I think he was. Like, it was oh, it was it. a long post. Yeah. Can I, should I read it? Is it worth reading? No, I don't even think it's worth reading. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was was just a basically a response on like, oh, Dana White's going to come out and call me a dummy. And it's like, it's like, I mean, I get it. Brendan Schaub was a fighter, too. But and and like there are a lot of people talking about the conspiracies. And I don't even think Dana White meant to even single out Brendan Schaub like he thinks he got singled out at all. I mean, it is definitely disrespect thrown at Brendan Schaub for sure. Yeah, but but Brendan Schaub brings it upon himself. Right. Well, when you're coming out with conspiracies, of course, the person that you're calling it out against is going to call you a dummy for it. And then to, to like throw your hands up in the air and be like, oh, my God, call me a dummy. Well, like, yeah, you understand, like what was said, like you were there. Yeah, it's a weird Brendan thing. Just- He's even putting it into his comedy act. I saw a video of him like doing his comedy and like going about like Dana White through it. And I was like, oh, that's. That's weird. Okay. It's cringe. And nobody laughed because I don't think most people are like us that follow MMA news and podcasts. Mm-hmm. And like, so he's like telling an inside story to a bunch of random people. Like, <laughs> I want to hear some jokes. Some of the things though that he did say to Dana White that really pissed me off was he's like, okay. you put on a pair of designer jeans and some hip sneakers and you think you're cool. Oh, Which is literally just talking about himself. And yeah. he goes, you're a bully. Meanwhile, it's like, dude, you're also a bully. There's mm-hmm. like stories that you've said of like throwing people through windows because they disagreed with you. Like, I don't know. He has no yeah. self-reflection. I would say most things he said about Dana White could also be said about him. The only difference I'll say is Dana White is more exploitative. And, and Brendan Schaub is about like fighters getting more pay and stuff like that. You're like, all right, that's like their only difference, though. And that's only because he was a fighter that was exploited. I tell you this, though, if Brendan Schaub had power, he'd be just as exploitive. He just doesn't have the ability to do what Dana does. I don't like Dana that much, and we shit on Dana, but Brendan Schaub had a feud with Dana once, like two years ago, where he said, I can do your job, but you can't do mine, which pissed me off because, all right, Dana's an asshole, but Dana, and he also made fun of Dana for being a failed boxer, yeah. jazzercise coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's like saying, like, 
oh, like Bill Gates, you're stupid because you worked at a you worked for someone once. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, like everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy went from a failure to a massive global success who took a sport that was like cockfighting and treated like cockfighting and at least made it legitimate and got like investment from like Abu Dhabi and like the world's largest agency bought it. Yeah. And I'm like, Brendan, all you do is talk like the way we're talking right now on this podcast. Like, you know, it's like I think literally Dana anybody could do, do this. If What'd Dana made a podcast, people would tune in for sure. Yeah. And he goes, you're stealing our bits because Dana does one where he like cooks and talks about the fights. And then everyone's like, Literally everyone in the world makes videos of cooking. Like, like there's yeah. no like. Oh, no, there was I other things. The there, there is some things that UFC is doing on UFC Fight Pass that are very similar to the things he does, like the Fight Companion and stuff like that. Like UFC starting to do those too. But I'm also like, it's not like you had a patent on it either. So it's like Joe Rogan did that first. So what do you mean? Like you can't right, be like, oh right. no, but, now but I Brendan get the was companion. Part of that. Brendan was part of that, and Joe Rogan basically gave it to Brendan. But now yeah. Brendan's like, oh, now UFC is doing it. They're taking my ideas. They're doing this. They're doing like a food truck diaries of their own. They're like, they're taking like all my shit. And it's like, well, yeah, just be better than them and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But there was another podcast called Feast With Us that did it. Everybody does the same thing. Like what's mm-hmm. truly unique? Like, oh, I went to a comedy thing once. Like every single person made fun of like trans stuff. Every single person made fun of like cancel culture. Every person, like, they take things from what's happening in society. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. everybody likes eating. Like, the whole food network has a million of these things. Like, Volkanovsky does cooking stuff. The comedy realm is kind of weird in that regard. Because, like, you'll do the same act. I guess it's like music. You'll do the same act over and over again in different cities. But the people don't know. You know, like, you've done it for, like, a full year. You've had the same act. I mean, there's other comedians that do it for, like, a decade. Like, the same act. So, like... When people take a joke from someone else, like comedians, it's like a huge no, because it's like, that's, that's part of my act. Like you stole that from me. Yeah. But I've always thought about it being like, well, shouldn't like a well-versed comedian be able to like move on the fly, change it, like pander to that crowd, particularly like the joke isn't always going to be delivered and hit the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to deliver it based on like a lot of things. Yeah, and it's the person how they do it too, which is why like I respect right. Michael Bisbing. Michael Bisbing doesn't pretend to be a comedian, but the things he says are funnier than what Shav says because mm-hmm. he's just like you could tell he's a funny person. Like he's mm-hmm. the type of person you have a beer with that'll say random things and doesn't take himself too seriously. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. some sort of comedic genius. Yeah, comedians are very like weird and protective like that. Like if someone just ripped like uh, a musician's music straight off. And just like played it in their city and something like no one cares because I'm like, you're not the original. You're not as good. You're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also how you do it. Like maybe if somebody covers your song, that's an honor, but it's hard to cover a joke or at least admit like I would admit it. I'd be like, yo, by the way, do you ever hear that Louis C.K. joke? You know, like I'll repeat the joke, but at least like throw it out there that that person did it. Sean's yeah. known for stealing jokes, too, by the way. So I yeah. just feel like that's like another thing yeah. that's like an issue with Shab where you actually stole jokes. There was like a fajita joke that uh, Nick Swartzen used to have. And then like Shab literally stole it word for word pretty much. And then so now Nick Swartzen calls him FIFA Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Comedian. I, I think a lot of people nowadays are just taking themselves like way too seriously as opposed to just. 
Yeah. Or whatever. Times change sometimes. I feel like my jokes this semester with my students haven't been hitting. Oh, really? Compa- yeah. Like compared to like other classes. And then my reaction is not necessarily like, oh, these kids are stupid. My reaction is like, oh, maybe I'm just like out of it turning into like a dad joke person like you yeah know, they're not that, but i'm Dude, like whatever it's funny though yeah so it's funny to me like you know like i'm yeah. not gonna let it like hurt my i'm not gonna be like oh my god i'm not funny anymore like whatever maybe you just have different crowds and things that's funny i've heard shit. of comedians bombing before and the comedian would be like man this crowd just sucks man i know i'm funny as fuck you know? yeah at least embrace it yeah that is have funny fun with it. all right so guess- so so if you have to pick team brendan or team dana team I'm- dana I'm never on Team Brendan. I really think Brendan okay. is like, I don't like Dana for what he does with fighter pay, but I 100% respect him for building something from nothing. Okay. And I, I think that's magical. If right. I was on Joe Rogan for like 80 times, the way Brendan Schaub has been on Joe Rogan 80 okay, times. Okay, but you could say that he's times. earned that spot too, though. I mean, he no. started. He, he's just friends with him. He's just friends with him. Yeah, but how did he become with friends with him? He was a UFC fighter. Okay, that's fair. Do you know I'm what just I mean? saying like all this extra stuff about podcasting and comedy and like he thinks he's building like an empire. Like you're not that good. And when you are like a laughing stock amongst your peers, like there should be some time of self-reflection as opposed to be like, oh, they're just haters. Like, no, you got to reflect on what people say about you. Maybe. I don't know. Today's today's world is weird. But it's not random people. It's like people that are in his circle, like make fun of him, too. And he can't. Yeah, but like if I had like even people in my circle and the world was hating on me, but there was money rolling in, I don't know if I would care that much. Yeah, sure. But it might also make you not good at what you're doing because eventually like the money comes from just maybe a certain fan base. That's sure. But I think most people would find their worth like what money's rolling in based on like their peers opinions or anything. I I think think most would. I think there's a balance. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. Like I, you definitely want both. When enough money rolls in, you won't really care. Vice versa. When the money's scarce, you really want the respect of your peers. It's just like, look, there's a lot, bunch of reality stars that have a lot of money. It doesn't mean they're like respected and talented. Sure. Of course. Like, to me, it's just like, all right. Yeah, you could. He's a reality the, star. Yeah. All right. You could get uh, the, you could well, get the quick, ultimate fighter. Yeah, I'm just saying it's all it's you could just get a quick buck and sure it doesn't mean Okay, like so let me ask you this. adding to the culture. If Brendan Schaub was going to fight 50 Cent, who was teaming you on? Yeah, with, <laughs> I like watching Brendan lose. I think the content Yeah, 50. Okay. Brendan, what if yeah. what if it was Kyrie? Kyrie yeah, Irving Kyrie versus Irving Brendan Schaub. That's a good fight actually. I really hate <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I hate double knockout like Tony Ferguson <laughs> says. Tony Ferguson <laughs> always double knockout. Both lose. <laughs> they both lose. That would That be, would be that would be funny. I just, I don't know. There's right, something fair. about so Brendan's attitude. Very strong. Okay. All right. Fair. And like I said, I respect Dana. I think Dana built something that I love right now. And so, yeah, I'm sure we complain about fighter pay or like some small stuff. But like what he did, I don't know if there's like literally another person in the world that could have done what Dana did, taking something from nothing and building it into what it is. Like Sure, but you for, can say Dana. Scene, I mean, okay. So one of the jabs that Brendan used was that he's a cheap Vince McMahon. He just took everything that Vince McMahon did. And you, you, there's some validity in that, in that, like, he is Vince McMahon and that he made it as popular as, as it is. He definitely exploited people under him. And maybe, like Vince McMahon, who had to see his way out as CEO, stepped down because of the exploitative things he's done. 
maybe Dana White's future is that as well. Maybe we don't look at Dana White as positively as we do now, you know, 10 years from now, based on cancel culture, all these different things. You're like, oh, maybe he ends up the same way as Vince McMahon, like respected for what he had done and where he brought it to, but also staying around too long and doing too many bad things. Potentially. I think the bad thing that hurt Vince, though, was like he spent a lot of money to pay off his sexual harassment shit Mm -hmm. where Dana's like. Or you don't think Dana could also be doing that right now? I think Dana fucks hookers and he pays money for it. And that's like more fiscally responsible than taking money from (laughs) the like actual corporation and using it for misappropriated funds. Also, Vince McMahon, I think, is in his 70s now and Dana's in his 50s. And there's going to be some cognitive loss the older you get. And so, yeah, Vince is a little bit less sharp. The one big difference, though, and Vince is also a great businessman and was brilliant for like the things he did and his creativity. And Dana definitely took stuff like branding wise and I'm sure like pay-per-view wise from Vince. But the UFC is an actual sport. And I think that's like so impressive that like he turned it into like an actual sport that is going to continue to grow in the world. And it, it, it. elevated every other sport like wrestling and jujitsu and grappling. Yeah, so you could also say that Vince inherited WWE from his father. That was another thing. I mean, it took it to a whole other level. Yeah, Vince McMahon Sr. actually like started the original. Vince McMahon Mm -hmm. Jr. took it all the way though. But, I mean, you could also give Vince way more respect than that he actually put skin in the game. He was on that show every week. He played a great bad guy. That guy took huge bumps being thrown off the hell in a cell. Like, the guy tore both of his quads running to the ring once. Like just he put as much skin in the game as you could possibly put. And I think everyone respects him like for that as well. Like he wasn't just the guy that made people do shit. He also did the shit too. For sure. And yeah, I would say Dana also puts himself right out there like as a shield, you know, and he's like takes maybe yeah. any criticism. Like he's always there. If people say shit about the UFC, He's right there. They're saying shit about him and That's he'll true. put it on his shoulders. Yeah, I, I do think Dana would take a punch for the UFC, like for sure. Yeah, I, the, I do believe the, that. They're both similar, him mm-hmm. and Vince. And the way he was talking about like, oh, you're a lower class. I think they're, yeah, you learn from people ahead of you. Vince started it before. Sure. I, I wouldn't yeah, I necessarily call him either. A, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't call him a lower class Vince. And I don't know. And still, somebody called you a lower class person to a billionaire like that's still amazing <laughs> you're like what yeah, like, oh, okay cool i'm just a multi-millionaire cool all right no i don't even know what you call it but multi-hundred millionaire when they sold yeah. the ufc i think dana got at least 400 million dollars and 10 percent still mm-hmm. so if they do sell it again he'll end up like a billionaire yeah and friends with trump and like other high level executives and powerful people yeah, in the set. world yeah sultans from abu dhabi like yeah whatever it took Brendan to give me a high praise about Dana, but I guess speaking about Dana and speaking about the UFC, should we go a little bit into the ADCC? Yeah. I mean, speaking of Abu Dhabi. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the Abu Dhabi combat club or combat contest championship championship. (laughs) So the ADCC, exactly. I don't even fully know it is the super bowl of all grappling. And it is definitely the most prestigious of grappling tournaments in the world and it is completely funded by the oil tycoons and princes and kings of saudi arabia yes and it, it actually the story is amazing because one of the princes studied under henzo in new york and 
he never even told Henzo or a billionaire prince, you know, from, and then like later he tells Henzo and it changes the trajectory of grappling where they were like, no, we have to create a Super Bowl of grappling to see who's the best grappler in the entire world. Yeah. Kind of almost like how UFC was started, but just strictly for grappling. Yeah, and they just pay the money out of their pockets for all this. It's not like ADCC brings in a shit ton of money. Only up until recently is it even like making something. But these these princes of oil just put all the money into it. I mean, we interviewed Jeff Monson uh, in one of our earlier episodes, and he was talking about how you know he saw gold toilets in their palace and stuff. He's like, he couldn't believe the amount of money they had mm-hmm. and how good they were at grappling. He's like, these guys just get privates all the time. He's like, all the winners of who win the championship the day before invite them over to the palace the day after. He's like, these guys just rolled me up. I couldn't believe how good they were. Yeah, it's crazy. This, yeah, that'd be cool to see a fight between all the world leaders. Like, yeah, the Saudi Arabian and the Abu Dhabi people might like have like mm-hmm. a leg up, like a secret weapon. Yeah, people just think like these princes on the thrones while they're watching like these grappling contests don't know shit. They're just like sitting on their money watching everyone compete. But no, they can go too, apparently. So pretty cool to hear. So there's a few things about this that I want to discuss. Okay. One, even though it's the Super Bowl of grappling, and there are a lot of people that love grappling. There's a lot of people that participate in grappling sports. I love grappling. And, yeah. And that now love grappling because of the UFC. But still nobody really watches it. And you didn't even really care to watch it. I don't. And I, fi- I find that fascinating. And I also didn't care that much. I just wanted to see the highlights on the internet. And I'm seeing so many people complain about it. And it's just mm. fascinating how something could be the Super Bowl of something. And something that we all love but we also don't give that much of a shit about why I just don't think it's that entertaining. And it's I'm like, deep into it. so like, here's the thing. I know white belts that are super into it. I know black belts that are super into it. Just, I know people that don't even care about UFC and they just care about like the grappling stuff. I'm just not one of those people. Like I don't, I don't find it. I find it very entertaining being in it, like doing it, having someone I know compete. I'll watch them for sure. Cause like, I know their style. I know their move set. I know like, but like two guys I never met, like, I know they're the best in the world. I, I don't care that much. And even when it's like Gal Val versus Gordon Ryan, like they have like that cool history, the slapping, like, Oh, who's going to win. I still only marginally care. And they have a great story and it's like, Oh, who's the best ever. Like I still only marginally care because they're not hitting each other. I don't know. Like, I think I just, they're not hitting each other. I'm an MMA guy. Like I need a hit. It's different. How There's way more it, stalling. There's way more, you know what I yes. mean? How much of it, though, is that it's not easily accessible? Like, do you think if it was on Channel 5 and they made it easy to watch or streaming, like, easy on ESPN? Yeah, yeah. I, I do think I would probably watch the big ones if it was free and easily accessible. I'm not going to pay for it. Because the weird thing is this, too. On the BJJ forums and the wrestling forums, mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll just have a random comment. Somebody will throw out like, hey, what's better for self-defense as a young kid, judo or wrestling? And it'll get like 800 comments. Mm-hmm. And then they put on videos of like, oh, here's Gordon going against Nikki Rodriguez. And that was the most that was the the most the big interacted one. with post. And it only had like 200 comments. And yeah. there's like other videos that have like 30 comments with like Craig Jones winning. And it's like amazing that. Even on these forums that are dedicated to the grappling, 
some of these people still don't care that much. And this is where I give people like Dana credit because it's about how you promote it and convey it. And so I wanted to read something from the guy that runs ADCC because they threw, they started the event yesterday or the day before, and it was an hour and a half behind schedule. And when they were like announcing all the fighters, it took a really long time to announce all the fighters and that delayed things further. It seemed kind of boring. And the announcer got a lot of the names wrong where it's like, all right, we get that there's a lot of foreigners and Brazilians and Iranians and whatever, but your job as the announcer is to get everything right. And they even got former champions names wrong. And so this is what the guy Seth Daniels, I think who was also a former fighter said on his Instagram post when he was putting up the schedule for today's events. Everyone thinks ADCC has been behind on schedule, but it's on my time, not yours. This event was made for those who spent thousands coming to Vegas and bought tickets. We spent over a million on production. I'm getting every dollar out of it. Here is today's schedule. If you want to bitch that it's too long, don't forget our customer service number is 1-800-EAT-A-DICK. Dang. That's almost like a Dana White type response. He's very like that. Almost like a Dana White type response. He wouldn't go that far though. But totally undeserved because when has there been a UFC that should start at 10 that started at 1130? Yeah. You know, like if there was an issue with production where there was no sound, Dana would rip into somebody. Dude, as soon as you say it's not on your time, it's my time because I run the show, there's like complete ego. Dana would never say that. Dana would be like, yo, it's about business. I heard a story once about Dana that, uh, that I also respected a lot. After Brock Lesnar won his championship, he said something like, they're like, oh, what are you going to do to celebrate? He's like, I'm definitely not going to drink a Bud Light. I'm going to have a fucking Coors while mm. Bud Light was a sponsor of the thing. And they said Dana like flew into the locker room like and like kicked down one of the bathroom stalls and was like, you don't fucking disrespect sponsors like that. I don't give a fuck who you are. And to be able to say that to like a monster like fucking Brock Lesnar, like, mm. yeah, Dana talks shit, but... To me, this is an example of Brendan Schaub type people where they see like a quick intro of somebody amazing and they go, oh, I could do that. And they just Mm -hmm. basically act like them without really doing the hard work of them. Mm -hmm. And your job should be to spread grappling and you're making money off of like flow grappling, more people streaming than they do on gates. You know, like gates Mm -hmm. are like 5% of what you can make. And you contradict yourself too. They're like, no, we spent a million dollars on production. I'm getting my money out of it. Yeah. Well, the, if you spend a million dollars, you shouldn't be late. Yep. And and you're That's saying money spending. Yep, for sure. Imagine Dana just being like, "Yo, I worked hard on this, so I'm gonna post it when I want to post it." And dude, you have investors. You have like other. Yeah, this I'm is like, why all right, I'm out. Good leadership. Dude. Yeah, I'm out. That's funny. I didn't know about any of that. I didn't watch it, but now knowing that, there's no chance I would watch it. I know. That's why I was like, I'm just gonna watch the highlights and stuff. And yeah. flow grappling's not that good. I think you have to figure out. I think there should be some sacrifice of some money in the beginning to spread how great stuff like this could be. Sure. Because this is like a mini UFC and there's a lot of people that find the UFC super brutal that wouldn't find this super brutal and could be more technical. I don't think as many, but some. And you do have Abu Dhabi money behind you and they would spend money, but I think they'd never found the right person to really be like the true promoter of it to do it well. Even the yeah. mats are bad sometimes. The lighting is bad. And I mean, I like the rule weird. set for ADCC a lot. I think that that's 
fun. That makes it cool so that different grappling arts can get in. I know it's mostly jujitsu guys, but like ju- like uh, judo guys come in every now and again, sambo guys. Like it's it, it's cool to see that. Marker one right as a wrestler, like so, like yeah, mm-hmm. you could have a you could have like yeah special things. It's like it's amazing. It yep. feels like the Olympics of true grappling. But yeah, when I read that, I kind of felt like I was turned off. And then to be an hour and a half late, it's not just some event in the gym, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and people like, oh, well, it's better than what it used to be in 2005. Like, obviously it's 15 years later, but you should be a lot better and you should have been a lot more aggressive in accomplishing this potential Mm -hmm. greatness. But uh, in the end, Gordon Ryan still won and Gordon Ryan dominated and he's a freak of nature. But yeah, it was kind of shady. And I wonder how many we should put a poll out how many people even care about yeah that is interesting hey guys this is anoop i'm sure you've heard i have a startup called renta you can visit me at renta.com r-e-n-t-a-h.com the idea is you could rent any type of goods, service or space so you could rent a arturo to teach you brazilian jiu-jitsu or you could rent uh my friend andy to uh set up your podcasting equipment for your next gig or you could rent uh, the Philosophy of Fighting podcast to uh, promote a commercial on our podcast or some gear, right? Like our friend Michael Shear did, if you want some Wu-Tang apparel. So uh, check out Renta. It would mean a lot to me. Cheers. So with Gordon Ryan being as good as he is, as dominant as he is, he makes decent money from grappling, or at least that's what I've heard. Does he ever do MMA? I don't know. I guess like when you're the best of the best of the best in one thing it becomes risky to do something else and then potentially show that there's like a chink in your armor and i don't think he'd get paid that well to do mma like i don't think like people are starving to see him and the ufc is tough in negotiations with everybody who was that guy gable stevenson the guy that won wrestling gold like you know Mm -hmm. they didn't outbid wwe like who's who's the guy bo nickel one of the greatest college wrestlers Mm -hmm. ever and he's been training with American top team for many years. He's only done Dana White contender series yep. and he's dominated on it. I think he was like a plus 10,000 favorite, like something absurd. And so, yeah, I think if Gordon Ryan came, like, I don't know if Dana would be like, oh my God, we got to give you everything. Yeah. But, but what they, about like one FC or something like that? I think somebody would pay him a lot though. What I was trying to say is like, they would be harder, but they would pay him a lot. Okay. And Gary Tonin is one FC and Gary yeah. Tonin. That's yeah, but Gary Tonin always kind of had some MMA aspirations. I feel like Gordon has aspirations to be like the greatest of all time. Like he seems like somebody that works super hard on his craft, like Tom Brady-esque, yeah. like obsessive. Maybe he doesn't compete in MMA because he tests hot. Oh, he'll definitely test hot. Every sing- I wanted to ask you that too. Literally every single person at ADCC seems to be on gear, like especially juice, especially the higher weight classes. Do you think that's like also bad for the sport? Like, because jujitsu is like one of these things where the idea is the natural person could defeat anybody. And now you have these massive juice heads. I think people would be surprised to find how many of the peers they train with actually take something. They're on the acai. I think, I think most people think their gym is clean of it. Maybe there's one guy, maybe there's two guys in their gym that do it. I would contend that at most gyms, there's a significant portion. Some gyms a lot more than others. So I know some gyms are like over 50%. Other gyms, I'd say like, it's probably closer to like 15, 20%. Interesting. 
Yeah. I yeah, don't I think don't know. there's a gym that's at zero. Let's put it like that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Say eliminate the idea of pissing hot. Okay. But that is, that is a big reason that I could see why he'd be like, all right, I need a year or two, but I think he's also young. He's 27. So yeah. he could take a year off and then join the USADA pool. If he wanted, I could see one FC paying him a shit ton of money. I don't, I can't see Dana paying him a shit ton of money. Yes. Agreed. And they say Gordon Ryan and Gordon Ryan wins many different ways. Like lately, he's been just smothering people and destroying them. Mm-hmm. I think he's more known for like his leg lock game, but he like also will choke everybody out. And somebody was commenting like he beat this guy, Nicky Rodriguez, who's a freak of nature. And he just made Nicky Rodriguez look weak because he was there when Nicky Rodriguez was a white belt. So he kind of big brothered him. And they also say the same thing with Craig Jones, who's also like a master of the sport where they were saying Craig Jones tools everybody at the gym and then Gordon tools him. Mm-hmm. So they were just like, it feels like Gordon's beating literally every single person in the world at 60% energy. Mm-hmm. So how good could he be on the ground? And do you think that could translate well to an MMA match? And he would be well, fighting at heavyweight, I'm assuming. or light Unlike head. a lot of other jiu-jitsu guys, Gordon's wrestling is really good. From okay. what I've seen, his wrestling is really good. That doesn't mean his striking's good. It also doesn't mean he could take a punch. We have no idea how he could take a punch. Like, let's say you have the best wrestling in the world, the best jujitsu in the world. You're still going to get hit. Yes. And until that's tested, just don't know. What if, what, like if, a- what, if, what if the guy who had the best wrestling in jujitsu in the entire world also happened to be the guy that had the weakest chin? Does it matter? No. I mean, there's been a lot of great jujitsu. You have to be able to take at least something to get a hold of someone. You're not just going to Hamzad everybody. Yeah. Wasn't there a guy, Davey Ramos, who is like a four-time jiu-jitsu world champion and he can't beat anybody at lightweight? And somebody, in fact, choked him out at lightweight. That wasn't even like a jiu-jitsu practitioner. Not that long ago, Rodolfo Vera, who is one of the greatest of all time, got submitted by Anthony Hernandez, a blue belt. And he got submitted with a guillotine. Yeah. Because he was tired. He was beat up and he was just like, yeah, yeah, I can't do it. So say Gordon fought somebody like Anthony Smith. He's ranked fifth in the light heavyweight division. He's obviously good, but he's been beat up a little bit, but he's. Oh, he's a, a savvy vet. I, I take yeah, Anthony savvy. Smith. Like it wouldn't be close. I mean, he's just more proven to me. What about a guy like Paul Craig, who's good and, but good mostly due to his grappling and he's ranked ninth, ninth in the light heavyweight division. Mm, like, yeah. So Paul Craig is different because he's especially known for his grappling. So I'll take yeah. Gordon Ryan. So it also makes me think, though, if Paul Craig could get into ninth in the rankings, then shouldn't Gordon be like... That's a specific matchup, though. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Do I think Gordon Ryan beats the other eight guys ahead of him? I don't know about that. It'd be Vulcan, Ozdemir, Dominic Reyes, Jamal Hill, Rockick, Magomed. Yeah, I think Kalaya. a lot of those guys are a problem. Sure. But do you think he could be top 10? Like, that's still great if, if he could maybe. follow... Maybe. I'd say Maybe. So would you risk being like all-time great at something and then to just be like very good at another sport? Well, it depends if that's my true sport, if that's my passion of sport. I mean, I don't think it's his passion. Otherwise, he would be doing it, no? Like I train in grappling more than the other arts, but that's only because like I feel like you need to. And it's also like the easiest, it's the less damage you're going to receive. But you're also not doing it as a professional, your father, your right. kids. Like, yeah. you know, like well, I'm if saying you were like, professionally doing it and you loved it, you would have gone to fighting. 
Sure. You still would be you still would be grappling, but you would be competing and fighting. Yeah. So does maybe from what you're saying, you don't think Gordon loves fighting if Correct. he's not doing it currently. Right. Yeah. I would I would, I would that, that's what way. I would think. I would love to see him in it though. It would be great to see Me like, too. Because he too. does have su- he does have such an like attacking mindset with jujitsu. He does love jujitsu. It would be great to see like a great big strong grappler. And people hate him. Yeah. I don't like him sometimes too. It's like annoying, yeah. but yeah, I would love to watch him. You got to respect him. doesn't matter. Yep. I feel the same way about Colby, right? I don't love Colby as a person, but like I respect him so much as a fighter and I would love sure. to watch his fights. Speaking of other fights, you hear about Canelo and Triple G? No, what happened with that? Oh, Canelo won. Was it close? I only saw highlights because I, I had an event last night. I came home, I watched the UFC. And I didn't have any time to watch Triple G Canelo. I probably will, though. But from what I saw is that Triple G actually did a lot better in the second half. But Canelo was just so far up in the first half that the second half was almost like inconsequential. Like mm-hmm. he had already had it won. So even though Triple G was winning the last few rounds and looked like he was coming back, it didn't. God, it's a shame. They I mean, this match like happened like four years too late. Yeah, they should do like the old days where it could go to like 30 rounds. Like if, <laughs> if you look up like if you look up boxing matches from like the early 1900s, they'll like be like 80 round matches, like people fighting. Nuts, nuts. Till the end. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I want a Triple G to win. Did you see Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yidang? Uh I did. How crazy was that cut? Yeah, the fight before it had a crazy cut too. Did you see that? No, I only just saw the highlights of oh the main event. Yeah, I was like, that was the most disgusting. I normally, I'm like, yo, you don't stop fights for cuts. I was like, you've 100% stopped that fight. That was the grossest looking cut I've ever seen. Okay, so in the fight before it, there was also a similarly bad one. Like, I'm like, I've never seen a, as gross of a UFC event have I seen. Was that the one I where also you think the event see the overall, The event overall wasn't that entertaining. I did find an overall pretty boring event. And the thing that sticks out most is the two cuts in the last two fights, the co-main and the main. Was that the one where you could kind of see the artery through the cut? Yeah. There was one where you could see the yep. vein. That, it looked like a horror movie. It didn't yep. look like it would be real. Like, oh, you could see the vein through the cut. Like, All right, yes, so let me just like, tell you about this brutal. cut. All right, so this cut was had, I think, from a knee. And it was basically like a unibrow. It connected his eyebrows, Ooh. right? And when it happened, it was so big that I remember Paul Felder saying, he's like, oh, my God. They're going to stop that at the end of this round for sure. It looks like his nose is going to peel off his face. That was like his words. And when he said that, I was like, oh, that like grossed me out the way he said it. And looking at it, I was like, it is like that. God. Yes. Right. Oh, so in between rounds, they stuff like two of those fucking things, those huge ass Q-tips in there. They're putting tons of Vaseline on there. The doctor looks at him and the doctor is kind of like stunned by it. He's like looking at it. Like it's bleeding, but like they Vaseline it well, where it's kind of just like not in the way of his eyes, the blood. So the doctor tells the referee, he's like short leash, like keep an eye on it. It's a short leash. You know, like I I don't expect it to last the round. The fight starts and the fighter, I think, knows it. The fight's going to be called as soon as he gets hit once, whatever it is. So he goes into berserk mode and ends up finishing the fight and winning. Really? Yep. Fuck, that's crazy. And it was nuts because it's one of those times where the doctor's like, look, if he gets hit like one more time, the fight's over. And luckily he lets the fight go on 
and the guy fucking wins. Oh my god, that was the most disgusting looking cut too. Yeah. And then post fight, it like, yeah, it's a wreck. You can find pictures of it online. It is gruesome. gruesome. It looks so big. It's like his eye right in between his eyebrows. And it just it yeah, you can see things that like you're not supposed to see. Yeah, you saw a vein going through it, and it was like, yeah. Oh my god, what if somebody cut that vein? Like, could you die? Like that was like so it could have oh my god, it, it was disgusting. nuts. And then the next fight, Song Yudong takes a huge cut on his brow. That was yeah. insane. And it was from consistent elbows. And yes. it was like good attacking from Corey Sanhagen. And when they did call the fight, Corey Sanhagen felt bad. But I was like, you shouldn't. And which made me just respect Corey Sanhagen because he was like, oh, man, like the guy won. But it was like, dude, you earned that fight. Like you really gave 100%. it to him. And yeah, both those cuts. I'm somebody that's like, please don't stop fights for cuts. But those two cuts are like, no, you must stop the fight. Like, those yeah. are disgusting. So someone was asking, they're like, dang, like, would you change the rule set and stuff? I'm like, I don't know. Pride that didn't allow elbows at all. And kind of for this reason, they just didn't want cuts ending fights. So it does like, it does beg the question, would we have, would we get better fights if there weren't elbows? Or do we look at, elbows as being like no that's like primal that's part of a fight that's worth being in there i'm of the latter i think that yeah it needs to be in there your elbow's such a valuable tool and i don't think like people are spamming like let me just get a cut to win and most fights don't end in cuts they're like i want to hurt you and it just so happens they do get cut but you yeah. can't prevent that that's like preventing heel hooks and yeah. stuff like that like i just think Agreed. and his technique was sound when people are coming in hard a jab or a punch might not do much, but you fucking shove your forearm out there and your elbow out there. Like you will prevent them from moving forward. Yeah. And I, I just think it's even an underutilized weapon too. Like, I don't feel like enough people do it. I think that's what made John Jones amazing when he first yeah. came out. Like his elbows were the most dangerous weapon. I think in the entire sport. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. I like elbows. In fact, I would go to say that, if you were going to outlaw some type of striking, which I don't believe you should outlaw this, but if you would outlaw something, I feel like a standing knee to the head is way worse than an elbow, is way worse than a grounded knee to the head. Like, yeah, I'm just, I just think we're just so used to that as like conventional. But in my head, like that's the most vicious thing we do. Yeah, that's in MMA. the most powerful. Yeah, it's the most vicious. It like, that's brain damage assuredly. Like is an elbow, yeah, probably. Is it but more a powerful knee, than a, a shin kick to the head? Is like guarantee. Is it more powerful than a shin kick to the head? It can be. I wonder it, what is. That'd be a good sports science test. Like, I wonder what is more powerful: like a really good head kick or a really good. I think it's the one you don't see. Yeah, but just what generates the most force? Like yeah. using physics, you know, like what's the most powerful? Yeah, it's interesting. But I think I'd rather get hit with a head kick. A head kick. A knee to the head will break my nose. So, like, aesthetically, like, I don't want to ruin it. Yeah. I'll get knocked out with both. So, like, I don't know what's, like, less, like, I'm going to die. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, like, maybe rough. Maybe head kick? I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, those cuts were gross and good highlights, at least from them. Yes, yeah, so I was sparring this weekend, and I bought a good pair of, like, uh, these forearm elbow pads. And so, like, when I spar with people, they're like, oh, you're going to throw elbows? And I'm like, I might. If I did, you'd be protected. I'm like, it's actually just more for, like, so that way, if you're using like Velcro straps on gloves, your Velcro doesn't like cut up my forearms. That happens all the mm. time and I hate it. But also in case I just like frame or like there's an incidental clash where like, you know, I, I frame up and my elbow hits your head as you're rolling under or something like 
It just prevents you from getting cut, providing you're not wearing headgear, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know, I think, I think elbows cutting people is a very big and real thing, even in sparring. I've seen it. So I think if we, if we trained with elbows, if everyone geared up right more, I think we'd just be better prepared. Yeah. I think it's because like we don't do elbows and sparring much. And then it's like you go into competing MMA and just that there's around that it's like it's harder to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's what some people were saying about uh, that oblique kick to the knee. Like nobody ever does that in sparring. Oh, right. Fuck yes. Up, you know, and the same thing they were saying about the front kick. And we kind of had like a few fights in a row where like Anderson did it, Lyoto did it. And it was like, yo, people aren't training that because they just don't train that in sparring. Yes, but I get that though. Like with the elbow, you could just wear protective gear that like does mitigate all the problems. Not the concussive force per se, although they are pretty padded well. Like, I don't know, not that bad. Like I've hit a few people with it. It's not that bad. But like the oblique kick, there's no padding that's going to protect you from that knee. Yeah. I didn't mean in the sense of what is good partnership, just in the sense that it becomes very useful in the UFC because Got people it. aren't training that. Okay. And so it could become really effective because it's like, fuck, they're not prepared. Yes. Yes. Which means you should probably do it then. Like, that's what you should be working on. Like, what are all the things that people can't prepare for and or are not preparing for? Maybe become a master at that too. Yeah, maybe. But we also saw an upkick liver shot like last week. And it's like, you can't even the instance in which that would even come up is so rare that why would we even train that? I think people could get better at up kicks though. I feel like up kicks are so powerful. And That's I don't true. Feel yeah, like they probably could throw them that well. Gilbert Burns had a sick kick from when he was down where he kicked the Kamzat off him. Mm. And I thought that was like sick. Like Kamzat flew and there was power behind that. Kevin Holland knocked somebody out with a punch. Jacare with a punch. Yep. I feel like Sometimes when I am doing jujitsu, like I wonder, like, could I just kick you off? And I feel like that would be useful, like technical stand up, like, you know, right. just getting the person off of you. Yeah. I feel like that's a little underutilized as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. I think so. All right. Anything else that we missed over this weekend? ADCC, UFC. Yeah. Like just felt like video. a kind of cornucopia of like random things that are happening in the fight world, but none of them truly like, oh my God. But ADCC, ADCC should be like that. But it's unfortunate that it's not. And we don't even really care that much about it. So, Yeah, I mean, if you ever want to hear from an ADCC champion, check out our interview with Jeff Monson on an early episode. It was kind of cool to hear the story of him winning the ADCC, like fulfilling like a huge you know, goal of his. And then the next day getting his ass kicked by like the princes. And he felt like he walked home that day or back to his hotel with his, you know, tail between his legs, just like, am I even good? <laughs> <laughs> technically, he's the world's best. Yeah. yeah. He's like, did he's I just so beat humble. people in front of me and not be really good, actually? Like, I don't know. But yeah, he's a humble guy. It was a great, great time to talk to him for sure. Yeah. And uh, I actually reached out to him about something with Russia and Ukraine. Mm. Monson, Monson lives in Russia mm-hmm. and I wanted to be like yo what's going on is not necessarily like totally right what are your thoughts on it and this mm-hmm. was very in the beginning of the war and so he gave like a typical answer of like no well the media's not reporting this and that I should probably reach out to him and ask him like all right now have things changed yeah and yeah that'd be interesting yeah. to see 
because for those people that don't know, the war is still happening. And so it's like oh, yeah. kind of like it's not as so much in the news, but it's very fascinating how it's playing out. Maybe that's something we could talk about next week. But I yeah, it'd be interesting I to hear it from just in general, someone from Russia talk about it, let alone yeah. like an American that went and became a Russian. Yeah. But I'm sure there's also something that he can't say. Even sure. If he wanted to. So sure. I almost don't want to ask him stuff because I don't want to like. Like trap him. Yeah, people, they say in Russia, get in trouble. You protest, sure. you say something. Jeff's a smart guy, though. He media. won't. He, yeah, he's, he's a, a smart, smart guy. guy. But he also seems like a fighter and an activist type. And, like, there's pictures of him, like, intimidating cops at, like, protests in America. So, like, I right. can also see him saying, like, I believe this. I'll share this because, like, I think he believes in duty. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, hey, know, man, if that's his calling, too, then it's not on you to stop him. I know, but it's not on me to, I don't want, I don't know if I sure, want that. You don't want to conscience. provoke that beast either. Yes. I understand. Yeah. If I'm the, you know, like, Oh, I asked him a question. I got a great soundbite for my podcast. Oh now, no, no. I don't mean it like that. No, I know, but I'm just yeah. saying it could happen in my head. Okay. I think that sometimes where I'm like, Oh, would that be bad for them? So mm-hmm. like better not to be too provocative, but I definitely <laughs> want to ask him and we should talk about it. Cause I did think I said, cause I want to know if I said that, like when we're like, who would win? Like, the idea was Russia was going to roll in and win in like three weeks. But I yeah. want to believe I said, well, we didn't win in Afghanistan. We didn't win in Iraq, really. And when you have people that just are willing to fight to the death, you can never truly win. And that's basically what's happened, where Russia has not truly won. And at one point, they had 20% of the country, and it took them like three weeks to get 20% of the country. And then since then, they've only maintained 20% of the country. And since Ukraine, yeah, there's a difference though. There's a difference though with Afghanistan. Like we're giving billions to Ukraine. Like that money does make a difference. Of course, it makes a difference. Where like in Afghanistan, they weren't getting that, and we still lost. And we still lost. Yeah. (laughs) That's what. So that's what I'm saying. It just further reinforces like people are going to give the money, and and also the terrain is rugged in Afghanistan. Like I don't know. There's a lot of plus Ukrainians and Russians are very similar. Like they they're cousins, you know, in many ways. So do the Russians really even want to fight? They're poor. Now the war has gone on for 210 days Dang. and basically six months longer than people expected. And now money and bills are adding up. Like soldiers are dying. I think they said 80,000 mm-hmm. Russian soldiers have died, which is as much as Russia lost in like eight years of fighting in Afghanistan in the yeah, 80s. It, from what it seems like, I mean, I don't know, I have an amateur perspective, but it looks like both countries are losing in that regard. Like, I mean, Ukraine no. has literally lost like, you know, huge buildings, homes, lives, like, you oh. know, like building all of that over again, like jobs, like all that stuff is like, yeah. whoa, that's a huge reset. They've lost in that regard, but they're not losing the war because as long as right. you haven't lost your government and like technically quit, sure, they're winning. Yeah, you know, like they have. Yes, it's just it's it's tough. Like let the let's say the war is over. Well, okay, we got to get back to work. We have to eat. We have yeah. to like do things, and that becomes incredibly yes. difficult. And then Russia's losing a ton of money too. So like, it's. Make, it makes me wonder, like, as the time moves on, do we all just avoid war because we're like, ah, it costs too much for us? We avoid massive war, but I think we'll have war in concentrated places because when it comes yeah. to rebuilding Ukraine, 
there's going to be a lot of corporations and countries that'll be like, okay, we'll loan you billions of dollars because they're going to foresee. Yeah, I think, our, the, our I think the wars happen more online with like security, hacking, or just embargoes, stuff yes. like that. Yeah, the wars change. The war will make certain countries money. So, yeah. So is that opportunity. Like we built embassies in Iraq that were for like three, four billion dollars and Halliburton built it and we gave Halliburton billions, like, you know, like, mm. and so there's, there's people that are seeing this war being like, yo, ka-ching. Like as soon as it's over, we're going to be rebuilding the water plants. The oh yeah, of course. Grid, like yep. the roads, like, and the UN will give money and everybody, will, the money will come from people like us. And mm-hmm. there will be poverty and suffering, but it, in this lifetime, people will suffer, but maybe in 80 years, there will actually be like a more Ukrainian identity because the Russians forced it upon them. That yeah. Never existed. If they just didn't fight, it could have dissolved maybe, but it's like a different type of fight. That's true. That's true. You push people back into a corner, then they're going to be like, all right, well, now I only have one way out, you know? Yeah. Things change. It's a tougher battle. That's interesting. All right. Well, I think that's good for tonight. We did a lot, covered a bunch of things. Yes, sir. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, like always. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting. We would like to thank one of our sponsors, Protect Your Neck MMA. It's like the Wu-Tang song. They have a lot of great rash guards and shorts, make great gifts. If you go to our Instagram page, philosophy underscore fighting, you'll find the link to Protect Your Neck MMA, and you'll get a 15% discount on any of the goods that they sell. Tell Michael Shear, the owner, that you know us. Great people. These are created by jujitsu guys for jujitsu guys or any combat sport and fans of 90s hip hop. All right. Cheers.